Discovering Trek is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. Kima, Lil, and an unthinkable disaster that brought them together. The latest and final short trek of the season has arrived, and that means we're just days away from the unveiling of the newest series in the Star Trek universe. Two enemies are forced to support each other after an unimaginable event takes place, which sets up for an incredible premiere for Star Trek Picard. It's time to go to school, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. It may not be Discovery, but short treks are still an important part of the season, and with Star Trek Picard literally only days away, we're here to discuss the tie-in to the new series with the latest mini-episode called Children of Mars. We knew something bad happened 20 or so years ago with Captain Picard, and now we have a pretty good idea as to what it was. As always, this is the premiere podcast from the most in-depth discussion and analysis about all things Star Trek Discovery, even short treks. And as the short trek season winds down, it certainly didn't slow down with this episode. And what's interesting is that, you know, the majority of this episode could be taken straight out of a day in the life of myself and my trusted podcast partner. Dirty tricks, shenanigans, casting blame, and setting up for failure... That usually just takes place before breakfast, I might say. But I wouldn't have it any other way, and I look forward to each and every day with him. He's my good friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. And Bill, I want to hold your hand, my friend. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. I think. (laughs) Um, No, good to be here. Glad to be talking about the final short treks of the season. It's hard to believe that that we're at the end of six. Uh, Here's hoping for at least 10 more next year, because this is a format I love, and I'm I'm excited to talk about Children of Mars. It's interesting that you bring that up, because when Short Treks was first announced two years ago, I kind of had a question mark in my head. I wasn't really sure what to expect, or were they going to be able to tell good stories in just short little mini episodes? God, they've done a great job with these two seasons, and like you, I I really am looking forward to season three. Same here, and uh, here's hoping that uh, that we get at least six, and I, I'd love to see more animated ones as we sort of wrap the short Trek season, um, and and more expansion of the Trek universe. You know, this one's tied to Star Trek Picard. I'd love to see another one tied maybe to Deep Space Nine, perhaps. Um, I think that would be fantastic. That- I think that the sky's the limit with short Treks, and they could certainly do it. That would be fantastic. Well, before we get into details about this Picard prequel, so to speak, how can listeners get in touch with us to share their thoughts on Children of Mars? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, Dan, on the Twitter machines, you can follow us at Discovering Trek. And on ye old book of faces, you can follow us at facebook.com slash Discovering Trek. In either place, you can leave us comments, questions, or even how you think Children of Mars is going to tie in to Star Trek Picard. Plus, you can also send us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button on the right-hand side. Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. And that goes for you too, Dan. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I liked how you threw a little English Picard-esque tone in there. Very well done. Black Alert. 
Black alert. From here on in, folks, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched the latest Star Trek's Short Trek, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Short Treks. Watch this episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Children of Mars. And now, without further ado, it is the quadrant-famous six-second recap Starring Bill Smith. Bill? I hope it's not six seconds. Um, I'm, you know, this was tough this week uh, because there's a lot that happens in this short trek. Um, and there's, there's almost no dialogue. Um, there's a lot conveyed here. So if I had to break this plot down in six sentences, keeping in mind in the past we've done this sort of for humor, I can't really do that with Children of Mars. So uh, here are my six sentences. <laughs> Two girls miss their parents who work at Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars. They torment one another in school. They fight and are sent to the principal's office. Mars is attacked on first contact day. Their world and their lives are forever changed. Fear and terror bring enemies together. I, I think that that kind of sums up the short trek. It leaves a lot out, but it conveys so much of what kind of happened, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes it makes perfect sense, man. And it, it, very well done, as always. Thank you. Trainees, to the briefing room. So as we gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on Children of Mars, Bill, let's get some high-level thoughts, uh, thumbs up. And thumbs down. I think both of us, I mean, this is a no-brainer, I think. Uh, very, very much thumbs up for me. It was a great tie-in to the new Star Trek Picard uh, series that starts uh, in just a couple of days as we record. Um, it was extremely emotional. Um, and the way that it was done, which we'll get into later on, for me, made it my favorite short trek so far. How about you? Interesting. It's not my favorite, but it is damn good. Uh, thumbs up for sure. I thought that this was a creative take on this format. You know, in the past, we've relied on on dialogue or exposition. Uh, there was another short trek this season that didn't have a whole lot of dialogue, uh, Ephraim and Dot. But um, this one, very different in tone. And I think this one, uh, successful in a completely different way. I... I do. I think this is probably the best short trek of this season for me, um, but it's still. Uh, I think for me, it, it falls behind uh, the brightest, brightest star. Star. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. I think I might be a little nostalgic or a little emotional about Children mm -hmm. of Mars right now, which is why I rate it high. Because uh, as people may know, you and I had the opportunity to head to Hollywood to see the premiere uh, of Star Trek Picard, and the tie-in is even more amazing now that we've seen those uh, first three episodes. So I think that's why I'm rating it as high as I am right now. It could fade over time, but I think that's part of the reason. You know, it's it's all about context. And you and I have a little more context right now than some other Star Trek fans do. And uh, I, I can agree, totally see why, why you, you have that feeling. I agree with you even on that level. Um, it is fantastic. Seeing how the context plays out is even more so. I think it will elevate this episode for people when they rewatch it after having seen Star Trek Picard. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So let's get into what we usually do here in the briefing room. Let's get into our likes and our dislikes. Uh, I'll start off first uh, with, with my like, and, and you touched on it a little bit just a minute ago when you gave your thumbs up. I think the lack of dialogue in this episode worked 
brilliantly. Um, there was a little bit of dialogue, just a tiny, tiny bit, um, but not much at all. And the visuals were what told this story. Put that together with the music, and it was a very great and unique way to tell a story that I don't think we've ever really seen in Star Trek before. I would agree with that. I think that there have been events that have been hinted at. Um, you know, the attack at the Kittimer outpost, the attack uh, on uh, Michael Burnham um, as a child. Mm-hmm. But this is really one of the first times we've seen an act carried out where there is wanton destruction against people who weren't doing anything. Um, for me, I give this one um, a, a like simply just for creating a story that finally made the concept of kids in Star Trek successful. All throughout Star Trek, stories that have featured kids have been painful. Mm-hmm. And the children shall lead. Um, what's the one in Next Gen where they steal all the kids? The Kid um, Stealers. <laughs> the, yes, yeah, the kids, <laughs> season one's The Kid Stealers. Yes. Um, but it, invariably, stories with children have not been nearly as strong. And this one sheds 53 years of, of that history. And these two actresses in this short did an amazing job. So yay to Star Trek for finally getting it right with kids. And uh, and the fact that there was no dialogue simply just was uh, was an added feature. What I think is great about what you just said is it took it took only eight minutes to shed that 53 years, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, I, I touched on it a moment ago, but the music in this, and I don't mean the, the instrumental music. I mean Peter Gabriel's version of Heroes during this episode was the thing that really stood out for me. As the fight between the two girls grows, the volume of the song grows, and it becomes more intense until there is simply silence. And I thought that was absolutely masterful. Uh, that's exactly the word I was going to use, was masterful. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of David Bowie, who co-wrote that song with, with Peter Gabriel. I love that song. I love the Peter Gabriel version. And when I first heard that in that, that short track, I was blown away because like you, I could hear the music growing to a crescendo toward the end. You knew that they were building to something, not just with the music, but with the action between these two students. And when it was time for them to stop, it was a gut punch. When the music stops, when they stop, we're all as the viewer punched right in the gut with what's going on because we've seen the last conversation they had with their parents Mm -hmm. and we know what that means and our hearts begin to sink. So it was incredibly well done. Um, I can't say enough about that aspect of the short trek. That's one of the things that I was going to, I was going to discuss later, but I'll bring it in right now is, is the gut punch and how absolutely horrible I have felt every time I've watched it, knowing when they hold hands and they're watching what's going on, the last time Lil talked to her dad, she hung up on him because yeah. she was pissed. And and now look look what's happened. And and it is oh, it's just such a a wrenching story. Um, but one that you know the the writers did exactly what they set out to do. They want you to feel what these kids are feeling, and it was done just so great. For all these two kids know, in that moment, they've probably just become orphans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that really kind of hits home. It makes you harken back to, and I know this is this has been a plot point or a or a plot reference that the people have drawn up all over the internet, but it fits because it is this century's nine eleven for one reason or mm-hmm. another, and it it immediately evoked those feelings of hearing stories of people who lost loved ones who got final calls, 
and had maybe some, some unresolved situations with some of those loved ones who died on 9-11. And you know, for those two girls, their lives truly have been forever changed, not just by the loss of a parent, but by a loss of innocence. And I think that's really what is key to this particular short track. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I really liked about this episode, and we've been talking about this for a long time, we didn't know which episode was going to be the Picard tie-in, but the fact that it's a Picard tie-in, it does a great job of getting you ready for what's to come later this week with episode one of Star Trek Picard. We've been teased for a year now that something causes Picard to leave Starfleet, and the hints have been scattered here and there, but what we saw here really gives us an idea of the magnitude and the scope of what happened to have one of the greatest decorated uh, officers in Starfleet to end up leaving. Is this the actual thing that causes him to resign? People won't know that until they watch the episode, but this does a great job of getting you ready for what's coming in a couple of days. You know, they've always said it was tied to Star Trek Picard. They never necessarily said it was um, directly relevant as a prequel. Um, it, it's a tangential story. I mean, it's a story of these two girls who we may or may not ever see again. We don't know. Right. Um, but maybe we'll see them grown up in a later episode of Star Trek Picard. I have no idea. But this is, for all intents and purposes, I'm treating it as a one-off. And looking at it with these two characters, this tangential story tells us a lot before you even watch Star Trek Picard. And I think that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. I mean, when you watch this, I'm sure you reacted the same way when you saw this. And I'm sure there are just tons of listeners that, what's next? And... The idea of we're going to find out what's next is really something that I'm looking forward to, even though it was such a disastrous moment that was taking place in Star Trek history. So I don't. We're gonna, well, let's get to dislikes, and and I have a couple of things, but I, I gotta I gotta say, man, I'm really nitpicky about the things that I want to point out, and it's kind of like I have to find something to really uh, have a problem with in this episode. But what about you? Did you have anything that you wanted to start off with, which something that you didn't like about this episode? I actually didn't. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I, I, if I had the, the minor, you know, if, if I were going to be humorous about this, I'd say that at least school buses have matured to the point where they're shuttlecraft <laughs> and they're still pretty cool because anyone who's ridden a school bus knows that they're terrible. Um, and, and, and missing a school bus really has a lot of, uh, <laughs> really carries a lot of weight because the force field goes up and you don't go anywhere. Um, that seems a little draconian. Yeah, I, I don't, there. there's nothing about this episode that I dislike, I have to yeah. say. I, I, I wouldn't call, I'll, I'll, I'll be nitpicky, I guess, in, in a couple of things that I brought up, just for the sake of discussion. Um, the first thing is, I, I, I really did find it odd that this is a school, you know, I'm thinking maybe at least middle school, if not high school, maybe the young, young years of high school, I'm not really sure, that these two girls were in school and that the attack on Mars was broadcast the way that it was to the entire student body and having that Vulcan headmaster or principal or whatever he was, look at his personal device and then switch it on to the large monitors without warning or announcement seemed a little strange to me, even by Vulcan standards. Now I think even for evolved humans in the 24th century shielding, the younglings, quote unquote, from such shocking and horrifying news might still be the norm, or maybe it should be, um, at least until more information is made available. Finding out about an attack where a family are killed is never something you really want to find out on TV. So I was very surprised about that. 
Well, you figure in this part of the future, we send families off on starships. Mm-hmm. And there's the knowledge that they may never come back. And we send them out into the vacuum of cold space, knowing that their ship could be destroyed at a moment's notice. So the fact that they're broadcasting this uh, on the, the hollow TV right there in the school doesn't really shock me. Okay. Uh, you know, and I'm pretty convinced that there were things like that happening in schools all over the United States on September 11th, 2001, because people want access to information. I think that it wasn't so much that they were trying to expose these kids to it. The adults themselves were dumbfounded, even the Vulcan principal, the headmaster, whatever you want to call him. Because, I mean, Vulcans have emotions. They just repress them. Um, I think that they were stunned like everybody else, and and nobody knew what to expect. So uh, I think it was a very human moment, for want of a better phrase, because um, in that moment, we were all vulnerable. I think one of the reasons why I thought this, and we don't get political uh, on the Trek Geeks podcast network, but I will bring this up, is when 9-11 occurred, one of the things that always stood out to me was that President Bush was in a school reading a book to children. And when the um, assistant came over and whispered in his ear, he didn't show any emotion whatsoever. And he had been criticized for that. And I believe in an interview later, he, he, he said he wasn't going to react in a way that would frighten the children. And I really thought that was a good thing for him to say. So this made me think of that and the fact that he just popped it up on the monitor as it was happening. I don't know if it was live, but it seemed to be live when they were showing various clips. They then did say that Admiral Picard reacted to it. Um, So it just is something that stuck out to me a little bit, I think. I can appreciate that. I think it has something probably to do with the age, the ages that that Kima and Lil were at. You know, when when George W. Bush was at that school, he was talking to kindergartners, kids who weren't going to understand that stuff to begin with. Good point. Um, kids who were going to go home and say, what did that mean? Uh, you know, the, the guy who's the president said this happened. What, what does that mean? Yeah. And then parents have to have a really uncomfortable conversation with a kid who shouldn't have to have those worries. Right. Um, so I think that that's probably what it was, at least in this case. And honestly, I think that it was such a surprise that even the, the staff at the school was, was stunned. I think yeah. everybody was left with their jaws open and uh, everybody in that moment was pretty much on the same playing field. You actually get a lot of emotion in the face of that Vulcan. Which, you do. Which, which I thought was, uh, was well done. Um, the other thing, and this is kind of, I say this in tongue-in-cheek, but I would think that um, whatever data pads or whatever they're using at their desks uh, in school would have better security than to just be able to doodle something bad and shoot it across to the person next to you so they get in trouble for drawing it. Ah, come on. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I'd be hitting you with a spitball, but that's a little bit different. <laughs> you can jailbreak anything these days. <laughs> um, one other point, you know, you mentioned the, the Vulcan headmaster. That's the same actor, Robert Verloc, who played Saru's father in The Brightest Star, by the way. So it's nice to see him make a second appearance in this yes. particular short trek. I love how makeup can hide that fact. I know, right? <laughs> it's great. So what else do we have for general discussion, man? We both love it. And, and again, I, w- I want to make it very clear. My, quote, dislikes are not really dislikes. This episode was brilliantly done. I just like to bring up little uh, things for discussion for you and I. Um, it, it was it was it was really great. I know a lot of people when they were seeing the trailer. I was talking to somebody, and unfortunately, I don't recall who it was. I have it written down somewhere that they had not watched it yet, and they just weren't sure they wanted to watch a cat fight episode. <laughs> and it was anything but. Well, I think that the trailer really didn't do that any justice. No, it didn't. Absolutely. Um, and I don't even want to call it a trailer. It was the fifteen second tease at the end of the previous short trek, mm-hmm. and uh, I I get it, but I mean. 
there have been promos for hour-long episodes of Star Trek that have been um, painful to watch. Painful. And yet we watch them anyway. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that this particular episode was, was brilliant. I'm in love with the fact that there was next to no dialogue. Quite honestly. I love that. It really was. It really, it spoke volumes without speaking. It was a bold choice for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and now I, I kind of hope they, they kind of do that every now and then just to keep things on their toes. Yeah. You can tell a story in less than 15 minutes. And in this case, they've proven they can do it without dialogue. So for all you aspiring fan film creators out there, um, the world truly is your oyster because there's a lot you can do in eight minutes. And this short Trek proves it. Let me ask you this, man, as we as we wrap up our discussion in the briefing room. Did this short trek make you more excited for Picard, more nervous about Picard, or a little bit of both, or something different? I would say something different. It left me with more questions. Um, it didn't necessarily make me more excited because that story was tangential to some degree. Um, but it did leave me wondering what could have happened to precipitate that attack. Um, and then what the fallout was afterwards. Um, I, I had a million questions after watching Children of Mars. That was after I dried my eyes. This week's episode is brought to you by Fansets, the presenting sponsor for Discovering Trek. You know, Dan, we are literally now days away from the premiere of Star Trek Picard. And when new Star Trek is on the horizon, you can bet that some new pins are going to shortly be making their way to fansets.com. Absolutely. I check their site daily, man. Uh, McCoy once said that uh, like the bureaucratic mentality was the only constant in the universe, I'd like to add that Fansets' new release pins are also a constant because not only are they releasing new character pins every month and adding to their line of Picard pins, now you can relive all the great moments of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 with the Fansets episode pins. That's right, the first four of the Season 2 Discovery episode pins are now in stock at fansets.com. And we hear from a certain Lou Birdie that other episodes are going to be added very, very soon. Plus, it's not just Star Trek uh, that Fansets has, folks. Oh, no, no, no. New pins from the Big Bang Theory, Firefly. Firefly. Which nobody watches, but that's fine. <laughs> Harry Potter, the fantasy worlds of Irwin Allen, and much, much more. So don't wait. I mean, head on over to fansets.com, put a bunch of stuff in your cart. I mean, all of the pins, all of the accessories, and enter the special Discovering Trek discount code, Discovering Trek. Yep, it is really just that simple. Discovering Trek in all capital letters with no spaces. Using that's going to get you 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek. So, Bill, here we are. We're wrapping up our discussions about short treks. We're going to be taking a little bit of time off uh, in between short treks and Discovery Season 3. But we'll, we'll be back soon, won't we? Indeed, we will, Dan. In fact, next time we sit down here at Discovering Trek, we'll be discussing the upcoming Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. We've had one trailer so far showing us some of Season 3, and as we get closer to the premiere, the excitement is certain to build. Oh, yes. Until then, remember, you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, we invite everyone to check out the debut of our dedicated live streaming podcast for Star Trek Picard. Trek Geeks Picard Live will premiere on Sunday, January 26th, 2020 
on the Trek Geeks YouTube channel and also on the Trek Geeks Facebook page. Every week, Barry DeFord is going to break down the latest Picard episode live, and the audio-only version will be released the next day in case you can't watch the broadcast. For more information, head on over to trekgeeks.com slash Picard Live. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, quarterly roundtables, and so many other perks, Dan. And speaking of Patreon, Bill, we'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. As always, we are so thankful for their support. Thank you, Ken Tripp. Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and last but not least, the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks. Hey, buddy. Thanks for a great second season of Short Treks. It's always a pleasure to have have you here sharing the mic with me. Always a joy to be here, buddy. Uh, I look forward to doing it next time. And uh, hey, we're on to season three. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's it for us and our discussion on Short Trek's Children of Mars. What'd you think? Are you more excited for the Picard premiere in a couple of days? Will you hope to see these two girls again? Do you want more short treks? Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter to let us know your thoughts about the episode and discovering Trek as well. We thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this entertaining chapter in the Star Trek universe. And we look forward to sitting down again soon to talk more about discovery and all things Trek. Until then... Here are some words of wisdom from, you guessed it, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. I believe that time is a companion who goes with us on the journey and reminds us to cherish every moment because it will never come again. What we leave behind is not as important as how we've lived. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com. Trek Geeks.